Listener-supported KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Gary Duncan. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And this afternoon, we welcome back the Apostle Peter to continue our discussion of the baptism of Jesus. Well, not, not, not just the baptism itself, uh, but the epiphanies, since it is the epiphany season, the epiphanies that arise from that baptism. Uh, the surprising insights we gain from a careful look at the story recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You said last week, though, you wanted to depart from the story as recorded in the first three Gospels. Today, you want to consider Jesus' baptism as recorded in the Gospel of John. Uh, that's right. Although, strictly speaking, it's it, it, John doesn't tell the story like the rest of the Gospel writers. Uh, rather, the Apostle John tells us the insights that John the Baptist drew from that event. In other words, the Gospel of John records the epiphanies the Baptist himself had. Exactly, Gary. Uh, so if you could start reading from John chapter 1, verses 32 through 34. Okay, John 1, 32 through 34, and John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. It remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend, and he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Uh, the Baptist clearly says, that the first insight or epiphany he received is that Jesus is the promised one who had baptized with the Holy Spirit. After that baptism day, John definitely knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And that's not surprising, as John said, the Holy Spirit himself had descended upon Jesus. And furthermore, the Father's voice from heaven had plainly said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Good point, Gary. Uh, as you say, uh, this epiphany is clearly spelled out in the events of Jesus' baptism. But the next epiphany John announces is more surprising and even more important for us to know. You mean that John had an insight that is greater than knowing that Jesus is the Son of God? You would think that would be insight enough, wouldn't you? <laughs> there was another even greater epiphany, and John shared that insight with his disciples and also with us, as we see in the next verse. I'll read on, Gary. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. You see, John's epiphany was not only that Jesus was the Son of God, but also that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Well, you, you said that it's very important for us to know, Peter. Why is that? Well, let's break it down uh, word by word. Uh, now, the word lamb means just a fuzzy, cute little creature to us. But to the Jews of John's day, the lamb was a very significant animal. Of course it was, Peter. We sometimes forget that at this point in time, the Jews still practice animal sacrifices. Whenever you sin, you made a sacrifice. It might be a lamb, a goat, or a ram, or a bull. But sin always requires sacrifice. Furthermore, the lamb was also a key figure in their Passover celebration. That celebration also required the sacrifice of a lamb. Oh, yes, I, I remember those celebrations well. Uh, God had promised to free his children from Egypt. To do so, he would send the angel of death into the land, killing the firstborn of man and animal alike. The only ones who would be spared 
were those families who killed a lamb and spread its blood on the doorpost of their home. I figured you knew the significance of the lamb. In the Old Testament, the lamb was the sacrifice necessary to take away sin and death. And if we didn't know the significance, John the Baptist spells it out in his words. This is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Yes, exactly. Oh, but there is another significant word you actually just left out. Oh, what's that? Well, he's not just any lamb, but he's the lamb of God. And you see, that's of particular importance. Why is that, Peter? Well, before Jesus, uh, there had been many lambs, but they had been the lambs of men. Lambs chosen from human flocks. Lambs of this world, which were sacrificed, but which changed nothing. Oh, true, the Israelites would be freed from Egypt that first Passover, but from there they would just go on to be slaves of the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, and, and finally in the days of Jesus, they were subject to the Roman Empire. Uh, that's a good point, Peter. For all of the earthly lamb sacrifice, the Israelites continued to struggle with sin, and they also continued to die. Which is why it's important to note that this is the Lamb of God. He is going to accomplish what the sacrifices of men could never accomplish. This is particularly important for us to note today. Our works, our sacrifices don't change anything either. But the one sacrifice of Jesus changes it all for us, for all time. You know, Peter, that's exactly what the author of Hebrews said. At every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin by a single offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. Of course, that's what the author of Hebrews says. You don't think I make all this stuff up, do you? <laughs> I'm simply trying to tell you what the Scripture says. As I said myself in my second letter, we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you would do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, that statement of yours is particularly impressive when I think that you saw the miracles of Jesus, the transfigured Jesus, even the resurrected Jesus. But in the end, it was not what you saw, but what the Word of God said that gave you the insights that you confess and believe. Oh, God, help me if I ever say anything more or less than what the Holy Scripture says. And so it was for the Baptist. What he told us about Jesus was not something he made up but what he too had heard from the word of God. And so God's word gave John the Baptist the epiphany that Jesus was both the Son of God and the Lamb of God. I guess that about sums it up, O oh great one. That's the totality of John's insight, O oh sainted one. That's the complete, full, comprehensive message that John shared with his disciple and Christians for all time. Not so, aardvark breath. <laughs> oh, here we go again. The old Carson routine. <laughs> no, Gary. There is one other insight that John wants to share with us. In a way, it is the most important epiphany of all. And what's that, Peter? It is found in the last word that John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the 
world. <laughs> and why is that word so significant? Because you see, it might be possible that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, you might believe he is the Lamb who takes away sin. But you don't believe he can take away your sin. Your sin is too great. Your doubt is too strong. Oh, he, he might take away the sin of pious men like the Apostle John or, or John the Baptist. Oh, he might take away the sin of pious men today. But for whatever reason, we wonder whether he can take away our sin. Which is why the word world is so important. John is telling us Jesus can and does take away everybody's sin, whoever they are. Exactly. Are we not part of this world? Are we not flesh and blood? Are we not human? The clear message of John the Baptist is that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away all men's sins, the sins of the world. But let me play the devil's advocate here for a minute, Peter. John came to these insights because he saw the miraculous signs, and he said he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus from the heavens. But we haven't seen such miracles. I haven't witnessed any miracle or any signs. I understand that John is talking about everyone, but how can I be sure he's talking about me? That is an actually an excellent question, Gary. We know Jesus saved the world, but the real question is, how do we know he saved me? So let's pick up the subject of the epiphanies of Jesus' baptism one more time. But I do have an assignment for you next week. An assignment? What's that, Peter? Well, you reread the story of Jesus' baptism and ask yourself, what did John really see with his eyes that day? And then we'll talk about what we really see that gives us the faith that Jesus is the Son of God and the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Well, I must confess I'm a procrastinator, but I promise I'll review the text before next Monday. And we'll talk again then, Peter. Thanks. We are the messenger of good news, KFUO at KFUO.org, AM850 in the St. Louis region.